and turn it with me to Habakkuk chapter 3. Now there is no shame in using your table of contents to get to the book of Habakkuk, but uh, if you can start making your way there, Habakkuk chapter 3, if I can be of any help to you, I can tell you, in my Bible it's page 935. So if you want, if you've if you've got a Bible like mine, that's where it'll be. Otherwise, just make your way there. I also know too. Disclaimer out out of the gate because I know a lot of y'all jot down dates and and whatnot of, of sermons you hear and, and rank them by the, the the quality of nap you had during the sermon. And uh, I know that it wasn't that long ago, too terribly long ago, that that we I went through the book of Habakkuk with you. But but don't think I'm giving you a a reheated sermon. And in fact. The way I do that is when, when I preach a, a sermon and I have it in an electronic file and, and I just file away and I don't look at it again. And so when it came time when I felt led to Habakkuk chapter 3, I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to re-preach what I've already preached to you and, and I pulled that out to look at it and, and, and it had no point. It was a pointless sermon, as are most of mine, but uh, it was a pointless sermon back then when I preached it and this one's much different. This is going to have a very uh, good flow and process for us to go step by step through it. So don't think you're getting reheated leftovers, no refried beans this morning from the Word of God. This is uh, fresh in my mind, mind and on my mind and my heart and spirit, and I hope it'll be received as well for your life. You know, we're going to talk today as we continue to think about worship and our responsibility to worship. And, and I've titled the message today, When Worship Isn't Easy. When, when our worship of God is not easy to do. Now, it is easy for us to focus on worship and to participate in worship when things are going well. Mountaintop moments make for picture-perfect worship moments. The problem is that life is made up not just of mountaintops, but also of valleys. In life, you have to take the good and take the bad. You have to take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life, right? I mean, as we go through that, we just have to realize that that is the, the, the reality of life. So this is super important. Right out of the gate, I want you to burn this into your memory, into your heart. Your circumstances do not change the calling and the command to worship. The circumstances in which you find yourself do not change the fact that we are called to worship God. We worship because God is worthy of our worship, not because our circumstances or our situations are worthy of our worship. In fact, we can say with full confidence this morning that God is worthy of our worship regardless of our location, whether we are up on top of the mountain or way deep down in the valley. And that doesn't change the reality that sometimes worship isn't easy. Sometimes it is difficult to praise in our pain. But our calling to worship is the same, even when answering that call isn't easy. It's, this is nothing new. Throughout history, many worshipers of God have struggled to worship 
when things were difficult. And one of those people who struggled to worship was a prophet by the name of Habakkuk, who ministered some 600 years before Jesus was born. We don't know a whole lot about him other than he ministered in the time right before this army from this big bully nation called Babylon was about to come down to Judah and destroy it. Habakkuk had a lot of questions for God, and he had a lot of complaints to unload upon God. And the book that bears his name shows us a record of the dialogue that he and God have with each brother. We'll focus on chapter 3, but we're going to see some other things as well from the entire book. And Habakkuk gives us a, a tight, a concise, but a very sufficient plan that we can use when worship isn't easy. Let's be honest. Sometimes we wake up and we say, good morning, Lord. And sometimes we wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. Sometimes we wake up with a smile on our face. And sometimes we realize if that smile is going to be there, we're going to have to stand on our heads to make it show up that day. So what plan do we follow? Well, before we look at that plan, we have to get to a point to understand what we do when our pain prevents our praise. So when you begin to get in a situation, when, when, when the pain prevents your, pain, your praise and the vibrate silent thing prevents your phone from ringing, uh, what, what does Habakkuk do? Well, just real quick, before we delve into the plan, the process, the steps that Habakkuk lays out for us, when your pain prevents your praise, here's a couple of things to, to do at the outset. But one, go ahead and declare your questions. I want you to understand this morning, it is not wrong to ask questions of God. Look at the book of Psalms. Look at the book of Job, where there are lots of questions. Habakkuk himself has a question. As the book opens up in chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? He asked him in verse 3, why do you make me see iniquity and why do you, God, idly look at wrong? It is not unspiritual or unscriptural to declare your questions to God. Listen, God is big enough to handle your questions. You'll never get to the point where you can start the process that Habakkuk lays out if you don't first declare your questions. Because that word question has as its root quest. If you were in on a quest to try to understand if you're serious about seeking answers, don't hesitate to declare your questions, but then also go a little bit further and go ahead and de describe your complaints to God. That's what Habakkuk does. He declares a question to God, but he also described his complaints to God. He had some questions that were followed by a very specific complaint. In fact, his main complaint was that it didn't seem fair to him that God would use some wicked people like the Babylonians, to uh, punish God's people. Get specific with God. Get specific with your complaints. He knows your complaints already. 
He knows your heart already. It's not like you're going to shock him when you describe your complaints to him. So go ahead and declare your questions to God. And go ahead and describe your complaints to God. Because then that gets you to the point that you can deepen your commitment to God. You see, Habakkuk has this honest conversation with God, and after some questions and after some complaining, he is now in a position to take the next step. And in fact, chapter 2 opens with these words of Habakkuk, I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what God, what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning My complaint, Habakkuk is ready to hear God's answer, even though he's not going to like what God has to say. Let's learn from his example. If you have questions, if you have complaints, express them to God, but don't stop there. Turn again and expect God to answer. Deepen your commitment to the Lord. Moving through that little process is so very important for us to take this next big step. How do we praise through our pain? I chose those words very carefully. How do we praise through our pain? Because I don't think it is right or even possible for you to move on from your pain to get rid of it and then worship. To say, I'm not going to worship until I get over this. I don't think that is possible. However, I do think it's possible for us to praise through our pain to worship while we are distressed and to worship while we are discouraged. Some of us walked into this room today discouraged. Some of us walked into this room today in distress. And if that's not you, it will be you very soon. So when that happens to us, when worship isn't easy, let's look at the process that Habakkuk followed that enabled him to praise through his pain. Because he begins with an interrogation of God, but he ends with an intercession to God. His worry is transformed into worship. His fear becomes faith. His terror becomes trust. His hang-ups are resolved with hope. His anguish melts into adoration. Look at how it happens in Habakkuk chapter 3. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shiganoth. Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. <clears throat> In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens. And the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand. And there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. 
Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers? Has your indignation against the sea? When you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation, you stripped the sheath from, the, from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high, the sun and moon stood still in their place as the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters." I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me, yet I will wait quietly for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield new fruit. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no hurt in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to worship. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread upon my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. Let's quickly walk through the steps Habakkuk took that allowed him to pray God through his pain, to worship when it was not easy. Jot these down because if you will follow his same plan, it will enable you to worship when it's not easy as well. Step one, review the character of God. When worship isn't easy, your first step is to review the character of God. This is what he do, does in verses 2 and 4, 2, 3 and 4. He recounts the, the character of God. He recounts the nature of God. He, he's showing us that when your heart is filled with grief, you need to gaze on the glory of God as revealed in his character. He says that God is merciful, that God came near, that God is personal, that God is glorious. He talked about God's splendor, that God is, is praiseworthy, that God is powerful. Look, God may not answer the when question. <clears throat> God may not answer the why question, but God will always answer the who question question because he is the answer to that question. The question we need to ask 
is who is the one worthy of our worship, especially when we don't feel like giving worship. Habakkuk teaches us that God is both personal and powerful, that God is aware of our situation, that God sees our pain and our tears, that God is able to remove whatever is causing the pain. But should God choose not to do so, his strength will be sufficient for the sufferer and that that is something for which we should give praise. If you want to worship when it's not easy, review the character of God. Step two, remember the activity of God. You're reviewing the character of God and then you're remembering the activity of God. Recalling who God is, watch, recalling who God is will always help you remember what God has done. In verses 5 through 15, Habakkuk speaks about a lot of things that God did in Israel's history to come through for his people. It is always a good idea to go back and remember what God has done in your life and in the lives of his people. We must remember that God has always come to the rescue of those he has redeemed. Don't forget that. In fact, in your Bible, over 200 times, It says, do not forget or remember. Did you see what Habakkuk said in verse 6? He said that his were the everlasting ways. God's ways are everlasting. My friend, God has not changed, nor will he change. He is always at work. He's always active, even if we do not see it. When worship becomes difficult, When worship isn't easy, remember what God has done for you. Take a piece of paper and write down what God has done for you because what God has done in the past points to what he will do in your present and what he's going to be faithful to do in your future. Anchor yourself. In the activity of God, having reviewed his character and then remembered his activity, the third step is this, rest in the timing of God. Rest in the timing of God. Look at chapter 3 and verse 16. I hear, my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones, my legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. I'm going to wait for God to show up. Habakkuk did not like what was about to happen. The news was still difficult to comprehend. Yet he made the decision to wait, to rest in God's timing. You see, for whatever reason, we have been conditioned to believe that waiting is weakness. It's actually just the opposite. 
If you want strength from God, the way that you receive it is you wait upon God. Say, Pastor, I don't believe that. I don't care. Because it's not me who's coming up with this theory. This isn't a theory. This is what God has said. Waiting upon the Lord is the channel through which we receive strength from the Lord. And here's why I don't care if you disagree with me. Because if you disagree, you're wrong. Because God has clearly said, Isaiah chapter 40, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. The God does not grow faint. God does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God gives power to the faint. Can I get a amen? God gives power to those who are weak and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. Oh, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When you don't understand what God is doing, wait on him. When worship isn't easy, Rest in what you know to be true about his character as you remember his activity. Don't rebel against God. Rest in God. Step four. What y'all don't know is the electricity went off here at the church last night, and they have not reset the watch that I watch in the back. And so it's 9.02 according to that one. (laughs) This is the best Sunday ever. And if you touch it, you get leprosy up there in the top. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) Father, give them leprosy if they dare touch that clock. Or if not leprosy, at least give them a headache. Step four, rejoice in the Lord. When worship isn't easy, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 17, though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fell and the Fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the field, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk doesn't downplay the disaster he's facing. He imagines the horror of failed crops and wiped out livestock. In an agriculture society, it doesn't get much worse than what's happening in verse 16. Yet Habakkuk's disappointment, Habakkuk's despair and his disaster do not lead him to forsake his God. Even though there will be no food, even though there will be no flocks, Habakkuk determined to rejoice. Note that comparison that he says in verse 17, though this happens, though that happened, though this is coming, verse 18, yet I will rejoice. That is life. Though this has happened, yet I will rejoice. Though I'm going through this, yet I will rejoice. Though it's difficult, yet I will rejoice. But notice that Habakkuk is not rejoicing in his circumstances. He's rejoicing in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. When I cannot rejoice in my situation, I can always rejoice in my Savior. And there are times 
that I cannot and do not want to rejoice in my situation. But I can always rejoice in my Savior. Habakkuk made this choice before his situation became sour. Regardless, this is my challenge on this point to all of you. Regardless of where you are today, the mountaintop or the valley or somewhere in between, you need to make a choice now that you will rejoice in the Lord in the fact that you are the Lord's and the Lord is yours. And when you rejoice in that relationship, worship can take place regardless of what else is going on in your life. Fifth, final step. Rely upon the strength of God. Rely upon the strength of God. <clears throat> in verse 19, he says, God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Pay a close attention to Habakkuk's words. It's not just that God gives us strength, but God gives us himself, and he is strength. Did you catch that? In verse 19, God, he, he, he does not say, God the Lord contains my strength, or God the Lord has my strength in a bucket ready to give it to me. He says, the God the Lord is my strength. It's not just that God gives us strength. It's that he gives us himself and he is strength. When worship is difficult, rely upon God's strength. I want you, I want you to think, and this, this, this thought occurred to me over the last couple of weeks as I've been pondering this particular sermon. For whatever reason, my mind went to Noah. And I Maybe because I'm reading through Genesis in, in our Bible reading plan throughout the year, or have been the, the last several weeks. And <clears throat> go back and look at the account of Noah. God tells him exactly how to build the ark. God tells him exactly who to put on the ark. God tells him exactly what should come on the ark. But when God tells Noah to build the ark, there are two things that are needed on a boat that God does not mention. The ark had no sail and it had no rudder. You see, Noah's job was not to figure out where the ark should go. Noah's job was to do what God said and let God figure out where the ark should go. Noah's job was to say, yes, Lord, and let God's strength determine the outcome. God is in control, not us. And if you think you've got control, go outside this afternoon and command it to stop raining and for the sun to come out. You'll realize how much control you've got. We are nothing, but our God is everything. Worship will not always be easy, 
but the call to worship will always be present. And Habakkuk's response is a model for our response. But before we wrap it all up, since I've still got another hour to go according to the clock, (laughs) I'll tell you, best day ever. Let me give you just a couple of implications and and receive these because I love you. And and, and I want you, as as your shepherd, I want you to have a flourishing relationship with Jesus. And I just want to give you a couple of implications to take home with you as you follow this process. Okay, first, don't unplug or it will all unravel. Don't unplug or it will all unravel. There are people who are not in this room today because they are mad at God for something that has happened in their life. When you are hurting, the last thing you need to do is to unplug yourself from God and from the people of God and from the worship of God. Some of the most powerful times of worship that I have experienced or seen have occurred in moments of pain and distress. But that can happen if you unplug. If you unplug, you will unravel. One of the reasons that we are told in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 that we are told to assemble together as a body of believers is to spur one another on. Now, some of you are spurs that you don't need to be. And those that didn't laugh, that's your cue. Some of you spur in ways that God never meant for you to spur. But what we are all called to do is to spur one another on. When you see somebody who's hurting, go encourage them. Don't unplug. Stay stay in. Worship God because if you unplug, you will eventually unravel. Here's my second implication. Praise must be personal if it's going to be powerful. Verse 18, Habakkuk responds very personally. He said, yet this I will. I, Jonathan, pastor, cannot put worship in your heart, and you cannot put it in mine. Do you have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? Because listen, if you're going to handle life, you need to let Jesus handle you. And if you'll let Jesus handle you, you'll find that Jesus will also handle life. And then I would lastly just want to encourage you to do this. Turn what is wrong into a song. For you see, Habakkuk started this book fighting with God. He has moved to a point of placing faith. In God. The book starts with what's wrong, but it ends in chapter 3 with a song. Did you notice the very last words? Don't miss this. We skip right over it because we think, what's the big deal? The very last sentence in chapter 3 says, Habakkuk speaking, says, to the choir master with stringed instruments. 
Habakkuk wrote the lyrics, and now he wants the music director to use the instruments to put his poem into praise. To turn what's wrong into a song. It's okay if you're still sighing this morning. It's okay if you're struggling. I want to encourage you to sing in the midst of your sighing. Would you consider singing as you struggle? There's a verse tucked away in the book of Job. This is it, I promise, I'm, I'm, I'm hushing. There's a verse tucked away in the book of Job. Job 35.10 refers to God giving songs in the night. If we will sing out to him when it's morning, he will put a song in our heart when it's night. If we'll give him worship on the mountaintop, he will give us his spirit to give us the ability to worship in the valley. Let us sing to him in the mornings of our lives. So we'll have a song to sing at night when things are dark. Would you bow with me for just a moment? We're not going to drag the service out from the preaching standpoint at all. We're just now going to transition into a time of commitment. Maybe you walked into this room today and worship was not going to be easy. Maybe you've walked into this room many times and worship hasn't been easy. Maybe when you go through your week, you find it difficult to praise as you go through pain. Would you simply make a commitment this morning to follow Habakkuk's plan to learn what you can learn from him and to ask the Holy Spirit to use himself to help you praise and worship when it's not easy your situation this morning may not be worthy of worship but your Savior is and that calling to give him worship has not changed Will you give him what he asks of you in worship? Not just today, but every day. I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand. We're going to sing. This altar is open for you to pray. Your pews are perfect places to pray. If you need to talk to someone to help you pray about something, we've got people, we've got staff, we've got deacons here who will be glad to help you pray through some things. If you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, let today be the day that praise becomes personal and establish that relationship with him. We'd love to share with you how to do that. Whatever step God's calling you to make, we just simply ask that you take it. Father God, I thank you that Jesus came for us and came to us and did far more for us than what we deserve. And Father, I pray that However, we came into this room today that we would leave being worshipers. That Jesus would be spoken over our situations and over our circumstances. Whatever you're calling us to do, Father, help us to simply surrender to it.